Hey there, I'm Natalie Abbott, and this is The Dwell Podcast. At Dwell, we help you memorize one Bible verse every month. On our weekly podcast, we talk about what our verse means, how it's challenging us, and about how the God of the universe wants to connect with us in our daily lives. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dwell Podcast. This is your host, Natalie Abbott, and I am so excited about our new verse this month. Um, Our verse goes like this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It's from Psalm 91.1, and it is like a balm to my soul right now. And I'm especially excited because the person who is our featured guest and on with us today is Glenna Marshall. And she wrote a book called The Promise is His Presence. So just this idea of being in God's presence, like she actually wrote the book about it. So (laughs) welcome, (laughs) Glenna. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've actually, I've been reading, I haven't finished it yet, um, but I'm about halfway through and it is just amazing like it really is first and right now with everything that's going on in the world like I just need Jesus and the reminders in here and the scriptural teaching it just is so so good so thank you I'm glad I'm glad it's been encouraging man I just find that in the world that we are living in right now where I feel like the news changes hourly um you know that just constant reassurance that the Lord is with us is, is just nourishing to the soul like nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is like a daily, maybe hourly, mm. you know, secondly kind of secondly. thing where it's just like, <laughs> it's not, that's not a word, but it's I say it all the you time. Know. So I'm glad you said it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Like every second, I just, I mean, you're right. It like everything changes on a dime and all of a sudden I just, I just feel so much of the fragility of our state of being as humans right now. Oh, absolutely. I feel the same, which is why I think this verse is such a comfort. Yeah. It's been like just you know, I usually spend some time beforehand really praying over and thinking through and studying kind of the context and all of that. And this verse is just the whole Psalm 91, man. It's got some killer verses in there. I'm like, why did we even just pick one? We should have done like a whole sleeve, <laughs> a tattoo sleeve. Of we could tattoo sleeves. Oh, oh, my kids would love that. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's enough about me. Enough about tattoos. Let's talk about you. We all want to know who you are and, you know, what it, what's going on in life. Yeah, well, I am a writer. I would say that's primarily what I do by trade, if you want to say. Um, mm-hmm. I am married to my pastor, William, who's been on the podcast before. I know we're going to talk about mm-hmm. that later. But, yeah, my husband, William, yeah. I, we hit 17 years of marriage next month. And we have been living 15 of those years in Southeast Missouri, where we have served at our local church. We have two boys who are almost 12 and almost five. And both of our boys joined our family through adoption after lots and lots of years of infertility and a lot of heartache. And the Lord just poured out two wonderful blessings on our life in giving us our our guys. And so um, they 
are just growing so fast. And I mean, we've been home like everyone else during the past couple of months of the pandemic. And, you know, we've all kind of been on top of each other for the past few months. And some days are a little bit more stressful than others. But overall, I just feel like we've all really grown I don't know, close, I guess is the right word. I mean, we're always close because we're a family, but spending so much intentional time together. um, It's been so good just for me as a mom. A lot of times I'm just the, you know, the rule person, like do this and clean your room and, you know, eat your breakfast (laughs) and all those things. And I feel like I've gotten to play with my kids a lot and um, which our normal schedule doesn't really allow for, you know, we're all busy and we have sports practices and, you know, Mm -hmm. after school programs and things like that. And so it's just been good to be with my kids and connect with them a little bit more. Um, and so, yeah, we're just right now, we're just trying to navigate ministry in our town, pandemic style, and then currently with all of the civil unrest in the country uh, on the heels of racial injustice. And, you know, we're in a unique position to address that. Um, Our church being a racially diverse, gospel-centered church um, that we merged together last year. I I say we merged, the Lord merged us together last year, Mm -hmm. um, really to speak to our community of what Jesus did at the cross to reconcile us to God and to reconcile us to one another. And so we're trying to navigate what that looks like at this very strange um, place in history, you know, and we're just kind of feeling our way through and it's been challenging. Um, It was a little disheartening to merge our churches together and then have to stop meeting because of, you know, state mandates just like everyone else. It's tough to stay connected, but the Lord is, you know, holding us together and, um, hopeful that we're going to be able to start meeting together soon. Was that in September that you guys merged? Yeah, we started okay. meeting together in September and then our sort of official relaunch as a new church was in December. But yeah, we had, uh, Man. had like our votes, you know, we had churches that were autonomous that we voted and merged together in September. Yeah. Man, that just like breaks my heart to think that you've only really been, you had only been meeting for a couple months together, mm-hmm. like officially, and then you can't yeah. meet. Yeah, and we felt like we were, you know, getting a lot of good momentum with the community and just really kind of working out our patterns of worship. Because, you know, we're merging two congregations, a, pre- a predominantly mm-hmm. white con- uh, congregation and a predominantly black congregation. And when you merge them together, there's, you know, okay, who's going to take this role, you know, just because they took it at their own congregation doesn't mean that they necessarily need to step into that role um, immediately, you know, so we were trying to share the burden of ministry as equally as possible. And then learning each other, you know, we're still, we were still wearing name tags when the pandemic. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things about you as a pastor's wife, too, is it's like you want to know your people so you can reach out to them, but you like don't even know them. I know. And one of our like best ways of getting to know people is that we had a weekly meal after the service. And so I'm like, I don't know how long it's going to be till we're allowed to do like a potluck meal. So, but you know, in that, we just have to go back to the truth that God is sovereign and he he has knitted our congregations together. He is not going to just quit. And so he, you know, he'll sustain us and we're going to, it requires that we're very intentional and that's good, you know? So we're just trying to figure it out. <laughs> like everyone else right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're all a little zoom tired, you know, from trying oh my gosh, to yes. online, but 
um, we're still, we feel so strongly that the Lord has done this work in our church uh, for such a time as this. And so we're eager to meet the needs of our community when it comes to conversations about race and the gospel and just so hopeful that the Lord will use us. I know he will. Glenna's husband, William, and his co-pastor, Kenny, were on the podcast back in February. And it was just, it's such a, even even if they weren't, if even if your churches weren't racially diverse, you're already talking about two very different systems of doing things and understanding mm-hmm. things. And then you're talking about two men who are used to being the solo pastor yeah and for them to come and to come together and to be co-pastors and co-equals it's just like what a beautiful picture of the gospel and and the fact that we can be humble with one another and we can Mm. defer to one another and we can lift one another up like for those of you who have not listened to those episodes go back and listen and and actually even though we're recording this before the conversation is going to happen, but tomorrow I actually get to interview them both again and, and speak more about this issue of race and, and how do they, as a white man and a black man who are co-pastors pastoring a flock of both white and black congregants address this issue of race. And I'm, I couldn't be more excited to hear what they're going to say. Yeah. I'm so glad you guys are doing that. And just hearing you say like a black man and a white man, both pastoring a congregation of black and white people. It's still just astounding to me. And I wish that it wasn't like, I wish this Mm. was normal, but it's not. And, Mm. um, but man, as I have watched them labor together over the past, you know, eight months or however long it's been, I feel that they are flourishing, even though they are sharing the burden of pastoring together, they're still, they're both growing so much in their ability to pastor just sharing the flock together. It's been great to watch. And I know you and your husband have had some experience with co-pastoring as well. So mm-hmm. there's such a gift in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our last church that we were at in Pennsylvania, I think it was about six years that um, we had a co-pastor with Jason and he, he was actually the senior pastor prior to that um, and just felt really strongly like I need to call a co-pastor like we had a position that came open and he was like, wouldn't it be amazing to have somebody who is my co-equal? Like, why would I hire somebody to be above when I could be equal with him and we could mm. share the duties and the responsibilities of preaching the word and meeting the needs of the congregation? And and it just, it was just really a cool experiment. <laughs> I mean, it came with its own hardship at sure. times because some people prefer one person to the oh, other yeah. or, sure. you know, things like that. But, but God, I think was, was so pleased to just use that ministry and to really root out, I think some of the, some of the selfishness maybe, mm-hmm. or just the pastoral worship that sometimes happens sure. in churches, yeah. you know, yeah where it was like, it just made it a little bit harder to make the pastor into some sort of demigod. He's just a normal guy with another normal guy. And, and they just, it was just, it was good. So I love seeing that. And I love, especially just the racial difference Mm -hmm. in your church and, and just the beauty of that. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I love it. It's been such a I say that it sounds cliche to say it's been such a gift, but it really has. And, you know, being a mom of two kids of color, I can turn my kids to, and because I have both boys, I turn them to the black men in our church and say, Mm. 
look at them live like they live. They love Jesus with all of their hearts. And Mm -hmm. I mean, because there are some needs, uh, you know, as a white woman that I cannot meet in my children who need some men who they, you know, who look like them or they will grow up and look like them. Um, (laughs) They need that. And I, you know, we didn't want our kids to think that Christianity was a white man's religion. And so, man, being a part of this and, and watching my kids now grow up in a diverse church with diverse leadership, but Jesus is, I mean, he is our anchor. He is the glue that holds the entire thing together. Without him, this would never work. And so, um, oh, I'm so thankful to be a part of it. That's so awesome. Yeah, my I have two sisters who both have adopted um, kids who are African-American, and um, it was just not something I thought very much about before. Mm. And they both have made very intentional decisions about having people in their lives in positions of authority that are people of color. And I remember my, my sister first, one of my sisters saying that to me, and I was like, I need to be intentional about that. I need yeah. my kids yes. to have an African-American dentist mm-hmm. or, an, a, you know, our doctor is from India and mm-hmm. it's a woman. And you know what I mean? Just like yeah. more about how when we put people in positions of authority over us who are people of color, we're saying something, you know, we're saying yeah. that, that not just that they're equal to me, but they're that person, that doctor is, is way smarter than mama, <laughs> you know, yeah. like they know what they're saying and, and it's good. It's good for them. It's not even, it's not even something I need to talk about. It's just an experiential thing. That's, that speaks probably louder than I could ever say if I just said, no, we, you know, we think this way or we believe this way, but no, we're actually living this out. It's normalizing the gift of diversity. And mm-hmm. when you when you come from a primarily white background, you don't even think about it. And that is what I have learned now, parenting kids of color. That is a problem. And, mm-hmm. and we need to, you know, if God created all people to reflect his image, then it takes all people to do that, all kinds mm-hmm. of people to do that. And so it was good that he created man to reflect his image, but white people alone, like, yes, we reflect his image, but also people of every skin tone reflect his image. And so we need to like lift up and celebrate that all skin tones reflect his image and he chose to do it that way. And it's beautiful. And so we need to try to fill our lives with um, ways that uphold the beauty of diversity as God intended to reflect his image. And so, yeah, make it normal and it makes it, it requires you to be intentional to do that, but so good. Well, Glenna, I cannot wait to talk more. We have got two more episodes left for those of you who are listening along, but that's just a little bit about who she is and what she's doing in the world. She also has a new book coming out, which we didn't even mention. What is it called? It's called Everyday Faithfulness, The Beauty of Ordinary Perseverance in a Demanding World. I cannot wait to read that because I am loving this first book and I just, I feel like that sounds like, uh, what I need another, another thing <laughs> that I need, <laughs> like just the, the normal, like, how do we have a routine of faithfulness? I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, you guys should check that out and we'll have links on our site for you to look at and we will have you back again next week. Glenna, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Thanks. Good to be here. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Dwell Podcast. 
You can find out more about us at Dwell Differently on Instagram, Facebook, and at dwelldifferently.com online. We help people connect with God through scripture memory, daily posts, a weekly blog, and of course, this podcast.